is, and the question comes up and says, what was the first letter written by the Apostle Paul? You can now say to them, probably Galatians. Uh, probably about 49, 50, maybe some people go even a bit later than that, but about 50 AD, <coughs> which is, is pretty good. It's what, 15 years, 20 years after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. So this is early stuff. Uh, if you get a chance, have a read through uh, Acts chapter 13, and you'll read something about probably, possibly, these churches. But I want to start by telling you a story that I read in N.T. Wright's analysis of this passage. N.T. Wright says, imagine that you are in apartheid South Africa, or white policy Australia, or America with segregation. And you have a vision that you are going to build a community center, a community center where everyone is welcome. Doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter what creed you are, doesn't matter anything, what gender you are, anything like that. Everyone is welcome to come in to this community center. And, and you buy the block of land and you establish a group of people and you lay a foundation according to a plan. You've got, you've got one door into the community center. You've got one set of bathrooms, none of those black and white bathrooms. You've got, you've got one kitchen. And the building is down, the foundation is down, and then you have to move on somewhere else. And, and so you move on. And a little while later, you, you're having coffee with a friend, and he says, well, have you heard about that community center that they're building over there? And you go, yeah, I know all about that. I, you know, I, I founded that. It's great. It's brilliant. It's wonderful stuff happening there. And the person says to you, well, have, have you heard that things have changed a little bit? Some people came in and... And they said, oh, you know, that designer had some funny ideas. He, he didn't really have authority to do things the way he's doing it. And, you know, we're, we're from the authorities. We know what's right. We, we're just going to tweak things a little bit. Just, you know, make it as it should be. And so we'll put in two doors and two meeting rooms and two kitchens and two sets of bathrooms. And all of a sudden, this project that was meant to be a symbol of unity and inclusion and everyone is welcome becomes nothing of the sort. That's kind of the sort of thing that happened in Galatia. That's um, modern southern central Turkey, uh, if you know anything about geography. Well, well now you do. Um, these people had experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ. They'd heard the good news that God's kingdom was near. They'd heard that Jesus had died to give them entry into the kingdom of God. No matter who they were, no matter what they'd done, no matter how broken they were, whether they were Jewish or Gentile or whatever, South African, they're all welcome. There meant many South Africans back in Galatia in those days. But they were all welcome. They'd, they'd taken it with joy. Paul had preached to them. Amazing things had happened. And then Paul had moved on, and a little while later some people had come through, and they'd said, oh, no, 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 no. Paul is a good bloke, but he got some of his ideas a little bit twisted. He doesn't quite understand what's really happening. We're, we're not actually sure that he was allowed 
to do things the way he did. Jesus is the fulfillment, they said, of all of God's promises to Israel. And so if you want to be right with God, you've got to become more Israelite-y. We've got to make sure we've got two doors. And really only the Israelites are welcome. And Paul's writing to them because he's heard this news and, and he's, he's actually quite angry, I, I think. Uh, he's got a bit of a bite to him, old Paul. You'll notice etiquette in those days. You wrote a letter, you said, who am I? Who are you? Grace and peace to you. You know, I'm really thankful for you, blah, 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 blah. A bit of thanksgiving there. Now let's get down to the letter I'm writing. Paul just goes, from Paul to you, grace and peace to you. Right, let's get down to business. What's this? Blah. There's no, uh, there's no bit of gratefulness to them. He is grateful for them. He's thankful for them. But this is serious stuff. This is very serious stuff. Paul writes them because on the line is their whole salvation. And so Paul says to a group that has been told that he's got no right to speak to them, he says, I, I want to tell you guys why you should trust me and trust the design that I gave to you for how Jesus works, for how following Jesus works. Uh, he's not just writing to offer his opinions on this thing. He, he writes that as, as Jesus' apostle. If you actually go back to the, uh, the original language, uh, Paul starts off, he just says, Paul, apostle. The word apostle is the very second letter, second letter, second word in the letter. In other words, says Paul, I'm not some second-hand representative of God's good news. I'm not here on behalf of other people to tell you what they told me. He says, no, no, I am the one who has been called by Jesus Christ and our Father God who raised Jesus from the dead. I am speaking as an apostle of Jesus, as the agent of Jesus, as the representative of Jesus. He was the most unlikely person to become representative of Jesus. We've just recently looked at that, at how Paul was on the road to Damascus, on the way to killing Christians when God intervened and said, Ah, ah Paul, you're going to be my agent to tell the world about me. See, like all the other apostles in the New Testament, Paul had seen the risen Jesus. And the good news that he taught to the Galatians that he taught to all the churches where he preached wasn't one that he had heard from somebody else. It was one that he heard from Jesus himself. He had a unique authority that the newcomers to Galatia, these teachers who said, oh, no, no, no listen to us, we're the real authorities, they didn't have that. They spoke from a human perspective. says, Paul, I am speaking for Jesus. And by the way, you might look at that and go, well, why should we trust you, Paul? Well, Paul's no lone ranger. He says in verse 2, and all the brothers here send their greetings. They, they join with me in sending the song. Uh, let's have a look here. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches in Galatia. It's not as if Paul is saying all this stuff by himself. This is the message 
that the church is saying. Paul says, don't believe me because it's the message of the church. He says, believe me because I'm speaking for Jesus. But here's a bit of extra proof for you. The church agrees with me. And there's a reason for that because it's what all the apostles said. It's what those chosen by Jesus to tell the world about him were saying. We are saved not by being Israelites, but by what Jesus has done for us. Verse 3, Paul writes and he says, May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Peace is knowing that we are right with God, that, that we are not his enemies anymore. Grace is God's crazy love for those people who don't deserve it at all. Grace is God looking at those who cannot save themselves and saying, I'm going to save you. Grace and peace are the very things that we're starting to get lost in Galatia and we'll, we'll see this as we move our way through the letter. And so Paul writes to them in verse 4 and he, he reminds them what God has done. He, basically, this summarizes the gospel of God in a verse. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. God has rescued us into a new life by sending his own son for our wrongdoings. And it's grace because we don't deserve to be rescued. It's grace because we are rescued only because God says, I want to do it. Isn't that a powerful thing? God looks at you and says, I want to rescue Maria, Mel, Sandy, Eric, Anna, your name. He looks at you and says, I want to rescue you. That's grace. And the fact that God wants to rescue us, the fact that he sent Jesus is the reason that there can be peace. And then in Galatia, we had these teachers arriving saying, that's all very well, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's enough. It's as if the Galatians had forgotten that they were already rescued. They, they were starting to believe that their rescue wasn't enough, that they had to do something else, something extra, something more. See, the new teachers came in and they, they minimized what Jesus had done, what God had done through Jesus. They said things like, Jesus is wonderful. Yes, he has saved us. He's forgiven us. Isn't that amazing? But he is Jewish, and therefore, if you want to get what Jesus gives you, you should be Jewish too. Paul, from the get-go, has a very different attitude. He, he goes, wow, look at what God has done. Verse 5, he says, all glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Wow, God's incredible, says Paul. And then you can almost see him coming back to earth in verse 6. I am so shocked that you're turning away from so soon from the God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. The word turning away in the Greek is an interesting word. Translation is difficult because you, 
you've got to try and translate an idea, but if you look at how that word was used in that time, it was used of a soldier in the army who deserted. In other words, Paul looks at them and says, you are deserters. You're abandoning God. Your turncoats was also used to people who changed philosophies. Turncoats. As, as far as Paul's concerned, this isn't just a matter of, oh no, you're going to a different congregation. Or, oh no, you're going to a different denomination. This is Paul looking at them saying, you're abandoning the very God who called you to himself. The very God who has shown us such incredible mercy, not giving us what we deserve, but in grace giving us what we don't deserve. And these people had come in and they had taken the good news of Jesus that we can be right with God, that we can live with God forever, that, that he is for us, that he wants us, and they twisted it into some dark, horrible thing. Jesus is pretty fantastic, but the cross isn't enough. They're good news, so-called. And uh, I don't know, I wish Paul had said air quotes around good news, because he kind of goes, he says, good news, which really isn't good news at all. Their good news was Jesus plus. Forgiveness in Jesus if you become Jewish. These days in computer worlds and programs and stuff, you often see version 1 and then you see version 1 plus. And you just know the plus 1 is so much better than 1. It's, it's what 1 should have been. These guys are coming along saying, we've got Jesus plus. Yeah. It's everything that Christianity should have been from the get-go. And Paul looks at that and he says, guys, your maths sucks. Spiritual mathematics works like this. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. John Stott says that the church's greatest troublemakers, uh, now as then, are not those who persecute us, are not those who oppose us, are not those who ridicule Christianity. The church's greatest troublemakers are those on the inside who try and change the gospel of Jesus Christ into Jesus plus. That's my little add-on at the end. Jesus plus is the biggest trouble the church faces in every age. It's what the church faced in Galatia. It's what we face today. Paul doesn't think it's a small deal, this Jesus plus idea. Twice, verse 8, verse 9, he says in verse 8, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we've said before. If anyone preaches any other news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Says Paul, it doesn't matter who teaches Jesus plus. I don't care, says Paul, if I'm teaching Jesus plus, or if any other person teaches Jesus plus, or if an angel from heaven comes down and teaches Jesus plus, 
If he teaches Jesus plus, he's teaching nothing. He's not teaching the gospel. He is, he's, he's deserving of God's curse on that person. Because why? Because they are pushing people away from Jesus. You might know some Mormon people who, who are usually wonderful, lovely people, but their gospel is not our gospel. Their gospel was an angel in theory, called Moroni, who came down and spoke to Joseph Smith and said, Jesus is all very well, but what's in the Bible isn't enough. You, what, what Jesus said isn't enough. You need Jesus plus. The Jehovah's Witnesses are lovely people. They, they do an amazing job of telling people the good news. The pr- problem is their good news isn't our good news. Isn't the good news of Jesus. Because they say Jesus is wonderful and fantastic and amazing, but you also need this and this and this. You need Jesus plus. Says Paul, if you, if you go for Jesus plus, you're actually rejecting God entirely. You are turning away. You are abandoning. You are deserting the God who called you. And if you're teaching that, you are calling people away from God. And God, we've already said, God looks at each one of us and says, I want to rescue you. And if I then come and say, I'm going to draw you away from the God who rescues you, how do you think God feels about that? How do you think Paul feels about that? He's seen people saved and now they're being pulled away. He is just, ah. It's like teaching people in a lifeboat how to swim. How ridiculous. Well done on getting rescued from your sinking ship. Now, in order to really make your way to shore, would you hop out again and swim a mile or two? Don't mind the sharks. Why is it that the Galatians were so quick to to turn from the gospel of grace that says it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. God wants you. God loves you. God has died for you. No sin you've ever done, no sin you are ever doing, no sin you will ever do is greater than the love of God for you in Christ Jesus. It's not about you. It's about God. Why would they turn from that so quickly to this other Jesus plus? Maybe because Jesus plus sounds good. It sounds practical. It sounds concrete. There's a list of stuff that you can tick off and say, yep, I've done that. I've done that. Oh, God, do you see what I've done today? <laughs> Jesus plus goes for our pride. In thinking we can work our way to God. Colossians 2.13 says, while we were dead in our sins and says that we are dead in our sins and our trespasses. It's hard to work your way somewhere when you're dead. Jesus plus also gives us a great way to rank ourselves against each other. Well, you know what? I've done this and this and this. I've become a member today. Isn't that interesting? I'm a member. Oh, you're not. Oh. Now, let me just say, that's not what Keith and Maria would ever do. (laughs) But we can get into that kind of Jesus plus mode of thinking. I'm better than you because I'm a member. Because I've done this. 
But the gospel of God levels us. It says, Romans chapter 3, verse 10, there is no one righteous. There is no one good enough for God. We're all on a level field. That's why we said, if you're broken, you're welcome here because that's where we are. Broken people whom God is remaking into something new. And maybe Jesus Plus is appealing to us because it sounds like hard work. Now that, that sounds like a stupid argument for why it's appealing to us, but, but actually we like the idea that we have to work for something. Have a listen. Uh, where's this Bible? Uh, Colossians chapter 2. Uh, hang on, I think I might have just given you the wrong... No, there we go. Colossians chapter 2. Uh, let's read from verse 20. You, die, you have died with Christ. He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. Why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't uh, handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. But listen to this. These rules may seem wise. Why? Because they require strong devotion, pious Self-discipline. So that sounded like Winston Churchill. Uh, And severe bodily discipline. But here's the kicker. They provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. But we like them because, you know, they seem, you know, I I must be good because look how hard I'm working. Says Paul, well done, you're working hard, but you're still the same rotten person on the inside. God's good news, on the other hand, comes along and says, let's forget this Jesus plus nonsense. Jesus plus says that Jesus by himself isn't enough. God says, hello, I'm God. Not in those many words, but, but the gospel is that God has rescued us. To add anything to Jesus is to say that God's rescue plan was half-baked. is to say that God didn't do a good enough job. God poured out everything for us. Gave his own son, who has been by his side for all eternity. And we look at him and we say, thank you so much, if only it was enough. That's Jesus plus. For the Galatians, they were being seduced by Jesus plus Judaism or, or being Jewish or the law of Moses. And there are very few of us today who are being tempted to become Jewish. Can I just see anyone here really struggling with people saying you can't belong to the church if you don't become Jewish? I have experienced one person saying things like that in my life. It's very rare. But Jesus plus is still a problem today. Today's pluses are different, but the danger is the same. Jesus is brilliant, but what you really need is Jesus plus this particular gift. Uh, Otherwise, you're not really saved. If you don't have Jesus plus speak in tongues, then, oh, I'm so sorry you're not a real Christian.
If you don't have Jesus plus daily devotions and at least 10 minutes of solid prayer every hour, oh, I'm so sorry you're not a real Christian. Oh, if, if you don't have Jesus plus this particular translation of the Bible, well, you got the kiddie version, don't you? If you don't have Jesus plus the right morals, if you don't have Jesus plus no movies, or Jesus plus no R-rated movies, or Jesus plus no drinking, or Jesus plus membership, or Jesus plus anything. We're so good at putting little tick marks against people and saying, unless you line up with these tick marks, then you're not really a Christian, are you? Jesus plus. And we don't explicitly say you're not a real Christian, but we imply it. And we look at ourselves and and we say to ourselves, I'm not a real Christian if I'm not doing this and that and the next thing and the next thing. And Satan smiles. But don't get me wrong, the pluses that we add to Jesus are not necessarily bad things. The law of Moses was not a bad thing, it was a good thing, it was from God. The spiritual gifts are good things. Speaking in tongues is a wonderful gift. I I wish we could all do it. Not watching R-rated movies is a very good idea. Doing your daily devotions will help you in your walk with God. They're good things. Membership's a great thing. And actually, doing your Bible's even better than membership. But you see what I've just done there already? I'm ranking things. That's what we do. The allure of Jesus plus is often heard in our own lives. Someone comes to you and says, how's your walk with Jesus going? And what do you say? Oh, he is so good. He loves me so much. He is so gracious to me. He is so wonderful. I'm sure that's what you say. Or you'll come to me and you'll say, Nick, how's your walk with Jesus going? And I'll say, oh, I'm not as good a Christian as I should be. I don't read the Bible as much as I should. I I don't pray enough. I don't attend Bible study enough. I still struggle with sin. I'm not as good a Christian as I should be. Do you know what I'm really saying? Jesus plus. Jesus plus. I don't think I'm right with God because of my actions. What I'm saying is uh, what I do counts more than what God has done for me. God has rescued me, but I don't think that's enough. Have you ever done that? Somebody says to you, how are you going? And you say, oh, not as good as I should be. Tell you, as a pastor, I hear that all the time. And I understand it because I say it all the time. But we've fallen into the trap of Jesus plus. And Paul looks at that and he looks at us and it's exactly the same as the Galatians and he says, guys, this is serious. You're abandoning the God who's rescued you. You're jumping out of the lifeboat. You don't need to save yourself. You don't need to be good enough. God is good enough for you. All these other things are good things and God wants them for you, but, but that's not what this is about. The other day, uh, Taryn and I made this amazing 
fruit smoothie thingy-majiggy, but I don't know what it was. It was, um, well, I don't know what to call it. It was uh, beautiful Chobani yogurt with banana and mango and something else delicious in there and smoothed up and, and it was cold. It was like a, like a frozen yogurt that wasn't frozen. It was really nice. And we were eating it and we thought, you know what? We should make this a little bit healthier. Let's put a bit of psyllium husk in there. A little bit of fiber. And so we put some in there. And has anyone here ever tried psyllium husk? Mm, delicious stuff. Great. If you put hot water with it, it's very squishy. Um, tell you what. Mango drink is fantastic. Mango drink plus fiber is disgusting. And we slowly kept on eating it for a while, being very polite to each other. And then we put it away, threw it away. It was ruined. It's the same when we add anything to the gospel of God that says, I have rescued you. When we say that's not enough, I must do my bit as well. We are adding fiber to the mango drink. We ruin it. God's good news is that he has rescued us. God's good news is Jesus. Add anything to Jesus. Make it Jesus plus and it becomes not about what God has done but about what I can do and I cannot do it. And if you think you can, go for it. Try. This is good advice. It, it's along the same tokens as get some nails and stick them into the electrical sockets. It's stupid. I mean, for all means, try. If you want to try and make it on your own, try. But I can guarantee you, you will fail and you will feel miserable and you will feel horrible. Don't do it. Don't jump out of the lifeboat and swim. Don't add fiber to your drink. Add fiber to your drinks if you need to drink fiber, but don't add fiber to the smoothie. God loves us. We forget that. And we try and make ourselves good enough for him. And that's no good news at all. Amen.